The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to find out the stories behind the stories. Welcome to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. Get ready for some amazing guests, along with Nick's own expertise and insight behind some of today's top news in sports. The where, why, and how. Now, here's your host, Nick Ferguson. You know, that, that was uh, Stephen A. from the Four Letter Network. That was during, during game one of the NBA Finals between my Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs. You are listening to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective. And that was Stephen A. talking about Kagan water. He said, Cajun. I put, I've been down to Louisiana. They have a Cajun spice, but I've never heard of Cajun water on the program today. We'll be talking to Elvis Storico, and he would give us his take on using uh, Cajun water. And let me bring him in a proper way. Uh, Secondary Perspective is proud to bring you three-time world champion, two-time Olympic silver medalist. And, and, And Elvis transcends whatever you thought about Figure skating, singer, choreographer, actor. He's been on The Simpsons, Chicago the Musical. So with that, we bring in Elvis Stoiko. Welcome to the program, Elvis. Elvis, Elvis are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Oh, okay, okay. I thought Elvis had left the building. Elvis, now, 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 tell me. We, we just talked about that in your introduction and everything that you have done as a skater. And coming along with it, there's a lot of stereotypes. How did you transition from being a skater to Broadway and now kart racing? How did that happen? <laughs> well, back in, the, back in the day, I started skating when I was about four and a half years old. But I also started doing motocross when I was about seven. So motorsports was always around my life and always a part of my life, whether it be motocross to snowmobiling way up here in the north, four-wheeling, jet skiing. And uh, I used to take my car to the track back in the 90s and do lap times and things like that. And it was always my passion to get into into some type of motorsports later on because, you know, I love the skating, of course. But, you know, when you're judged for so many years, it's kind of nice to uh, not have the judges on the judging panel and, and just to, to race around and, and just be 
you know, against the clock or against my own, you know, uh, skill level. And, and it's something that I've always wanted to do. And, and I started racing a couple of years ago and, uh, you know, just progressing through it right now. now. Now, when you talk about, you know, racing, I mean, you look at the qualities that it takes to be a great athlete as far as skating is concerned. Now, how did you use those skills as a skater to now help you as far as what you're doing now as race car driving? Well, the, the biggest thing is, is once you're successful in one aspect in your life, it, it's, it's a very similar formula. The, the skills may change, but the, the formula itself on, on how to do it is pretty much the same. Uh, I know very well on how to build a team, uh, the right, place the right people around me to get the job done, whether it be off dryland training, what I did off ice or dryland training for, for both the racing and for even for the, for the acting and the singing. My father, um, was also a classically trained tenor and he taught me when I was a kid and I started doing, uh, a little bit of acting when I was younger. I went to, um, one of the schools up to grade eight, they used to do some acting and I had a, I had a flavor for it. I had sort of a passion for that as well. And, and, um, Last year, uh, I got an audition through through a skating friend. I got an audition to to play the part of Billy Flynn in Chicago, and I did the audition and and got the part and and it was great because I ended up working with you know when you're on Broadway you're working with the best of the best and and uh, you know that's something that I I know a lot about in regards to pulling the best out of myself um, and knowing what it takes in order to be successful at something and I use that that basic structure to apply it to whether I'm racing at the track, the, the skills that I need to get, uh, the training, the efforts that I need to put in. Uh, I know my body very well, uh, the downtime I need to rest, the recoup time. Uh, and also, very important, which we're going to talk about, is nutrition aspect and, and knowing how to, to uh, you know, allow the body to recoup. And, and, you know, being 42 now, things are a little bit different than it was 20 years ago for my body. But... I, I'm very healthy, and I'm very conscious of that. If you just join us, we're joined by three-time world champ, two-time Olympic silver medalist, Elvis Stoico. You can find him at The Real Elvis Stoico on, on Twitter. You, you're talking about taking care of your body, and I had a chance to play in the NFL, unfortunately, to play in the NFL uh, for 10 years, but over the past couple of weeks when I've been watching these games, I've seen a lot of players who are well-conditioned athletes go down with ACL injuries and Achilles injuries, and these are non-contact injuries. Now, what were you using, I guess, uh, I mean, being a skater and now transitioning to be being a race car driver, what were you using to help fine-tune your body and keep you in peak performance? Well, the biggest thing I find uh, that, I, that, I, that I tell people, especially young athletes, is, is just because you're in shape doesn't mean you're healthy. That's mm-hmm. a, the, one of the biggest misconceptions that I find in, in, in sport and that people generally that are not um, in sports but are just trying to get healthy, they look at athletes saying, oh, my gosh, you guys are probably super healthy because you're super in shape. But uh, as an athlete, we put our bodies through, you know, as you know, putting it through the test to the ultimate limits. And a lot of times when I was competing, I was either sore or or coming from an injury, aching in some way, because you're pushing your body to the, to the utmost limits and, and you're trying to, to go beyond. Um, the biggest thing for me is I look at my body very simply as a filter. Um, whether, whether I'm in food, drink, and even atmospheric uh, chemicals or whatever, 
you have to be very conscious that your body is trying to filter all those things. Because nowadays there's so much crap in our food, in the water. You have to be very conscious of, of what you're ingesting. And, uh, you know, even, even when it comes to supplements, um, the, the quality of the supplements, how has it been, uh, you know, harvested? Uh, where was it harvested? Uh, all these things come into play. And in over a number of years, people always say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm 40 now and I'm feeling my joints and I'm feeling this and I'm feeling that. But basically our bodies can last a lot longer. It's just a matter of being able to clean the finger. So not only, not only is it about eating right, but also all those years of, of constant high impact, whether it be in football, whether it be in hockey or even figure skating is high impact, the landing and so forth. It's a matter of detoxing the body and making sure that you're, you're repairing what you've damaged. It's one of the biggest things I find uh, in sport now. And, and I've noticed it exactly the same thing. Guys getting injured without getting impacted by another player or just something letting go. And I have a feeling in, in just, you know, I'm not an expert in any means by that because I'm not a doctor per se, but I've been in the business a long time and I know my body very, very well. And the biggest thing is, is detoxing the body and getting out the free radicals that end up building up over the lactic acid uh, that in joints. And in the joints, they're very, very difficult to, to clear out because we have ligament and tendon and we all say there's not a lot of blood flow through there because, you know, that's why ligament tendons are white. There's not a lot of blood flow going through those areas. So it's very, very difficult to get all the lactic acid and the buildup flushed out of the body. So how are you able to, to do that? Because I know as a player, when I play, I had a nice little regimen where I would go to the chiropractor maybe on a Friday or uh, the Monday after the game. I would work out. I would take vitamins. I would even I attempted to use acupuncture uh, as a way. What ways have you used to detoxify your body? Yeah, and, and acupuncture is is um, I did traditional acupuncture. I had it since I was four years old, and when I was competing at the highest level, uh, my acupuncturist actually traveled with me to the Olympics, and. Um, each Olympic game, she was there helping me out, and, and she helped me through a really serious groin injury back in 98. I competed with a torn groin, um, and it was excruciating, and I was able to get through it and win a silver based on that. And, and just the acupuncture alone was a huge help. But there are certain aspects that now that I look at, and one of the biggest things I found in the last four years was is Kong and water. A lot of people can say Cajun. We, they say Kong, and Kong and meaning bringing back to origin. And what it is, is there, there's three qualities of the water that are, are super, super important. A lot of people are talking more about pH balance in the body. The water itself uh, is, a high, is a high alkaline. You can adjust the machine to have 8.5, 9, or 9.5 uh, alkalinity of the water. It's also micro-clustered, which means that the groupings of the molecules of the water is a lot smaller so that your cell network can absorb the water uh, much quicker, so you're getting hydrated much much faster. And then there's the antioxidants, which are super, super high, which is, what, is probably one of the most important things because uh, it's what ends up neutralizing the free radicals in your body that you end up creating each time you train hard, uh, the lactic acid buildup. And I found that when I've been on the water, uh, my lactic acid is, is next to nothing uh, because I keep replenishing uh, my body to be able to flush it out. I used to try, you know, all sorts of stuff, uh, 
cold water baths and then hot and then hot water to try to get the circulation going and get rid of the lactic acid buildup. And, and I found the most successful for me so far now in, in all the stuff that I'm doing, it, you know, the Kong and water has been amazing. And I wish I had it when I was at my, uh, you know, competitive life, uh, in skating, but I still use it, uh, all the time for my racing. And I find it, it it's so beneficial. Also for me, I really look at, um, I found that eating right for your blood type worked really well for me. Um, I'm a B blood type. I found that uh, having certain foods, I make a list of certain foods that are really good for my blood type. And then also try to find the more alkaline foods within that uh, to try to balance it out. And uh, I found that worked great. Um, Another thing that I helped that helps detox the body is I do ion foot cleanses. And what it does is it pulls all the, the environmental toxins out of your body uh, from your liver, from your kidney, uh, from gallbladder, spleen, um, all of that stuff that you get either from food intake and even from just generally breathing nowadays, it, it tends to build up. And that's how I look at the body as a filter to try to cleanse everything out so that it can, you know, do its job. Elvis Starkoil joins the, the, the program, three-time world champion, two-time Olympic silver medalist, you know, I, I did that same thing when I was playing with the Denver Broncos, and when someone first encouraged me, hey, listen, put your foot in this bath and watch all these toxins be pulled out of your body. And I have to be, I have to be honest, I was amazed to see all the brown stuff that was oozing out in this tub of water. And I said, well, did that come from my body? And we're talking about an individual who tried to do his due diligence of looking after what I actually put in my body. So I totally uh, understand that as well. I want to ask you about this. In your career, you've done so many things after skating. And I know you had an opportunity to go to the Sochi 2014 Winter Olympics. And take me back to this, if you will. You know, the women's hockey team in Canada, four consecutive Olympic titles. But there was a point in that match where they were down 2 nothing with 74 seconds to go in that game. And they came back in extra period to win that game 3-2. to two. How big was that game and winning that, not just for the women of Canada in hockey, but overall for, I guess, the sports scene in Canada? Oh, that was that was a huge, huge win for Canada. I mean, be, being there for that was was awesome. I mean, I I wasn't at the game, but uh, you know, watching it, whether I be uh, you know work, you know, the figure skating, you know, we're always keeping an ear on what's happening around on the other on the other team and and the other games that are that are going on for for Canada. And uh, it was it was so exciting. I always ask, you know, you know, why is Canada so good in hockey? And and you know, I look at it as it's all it's all mental because because we've we've talked about it over the years and in Canada it's sort of like a consensus when you're born and you go through it you automatically we automatically think we're good at hockey so we are now the <laughs> Americans I always look at the Americans they're good at everything because you guys have that mentality we're we you have that strength of mind and I always believe that it's mind over matter no matter what and what you think you are you will become. And that is one of the single most important things that I could, that I teach when I'm, when I'm doing motivational speaking, when I'm doing, you know, coaching kids, uh, whether it be in skating or martial arts or whatever, it's the mental attitude that you can be down, you know, two, three, four goals. And it, it is, anything is possible to bring it back if you believe, but it, it's not just hoping it's not wishing. 
there's a very big difference between the hoping and the wishing. Because there's a lot of people that wish. There's a lot of people that hope. And then there's a certain group that actually believe. And those are the ones that really make the difference. And if you can translate that belief into reality, that, that connection, and get the people to, to understand what belief actually feels like, then anything is possible. Wow, that, that, that's great stuff. You know, and I was going to ask you to lead the people with something inspirational, but I think you just, you know, you just you know, gave it to them pretty much uh, in a nutshell. Now, uh, where can people find out about you and this new venture you, you embarked into of, of car racing? Where can they find out your next race? Yeah, well, I just I knew a new website um, that came up. We just changed my website. It's elvisstoiko.ca. It's E-L-V-I-S, like in Presley. <laughs> and last <laughs> name is Stoiko, S-T-O-J-K-O. .ca is a website. I'm on, um, also on Twitter, The Real E Stoiko. Um, I'm also on Facebook as well. I got a Facebook page there. I just switched uh, race teams now. I just did some testing uh, yesterday. It went very well. I'll be racing down in North Carolina for the Pan Am race, and then I'll be at the big Supernats race. It's the big day. It's like the Olympics of karting, and that's going to be in Vegas in November. Um, and if more people want uh, more information on um, on the Kong and water, uh, and Enagic is the company, uh, the machines are all made in Japan, and they uh, fatalwater.com, t h e t a water.com. Uh, a good friend of mine has that website. He's the guy that got me hooked up with the water, and and uh, people can follow me there. And and if they have any questions or, or anything in there, people can either email through Facebook. Uh, my agent contacts in there as well, and and uh, you know whatever I can help with, I'm uh, that's what I'm there for. There it is from Elvis Stoiko. Good stuff. Uh, follow him on Twitter, like he said, at the real E Stoiko. And also, I'll put his information on Twitter later on, and where you can go and find out what he's doing. What whether it's could be young in the wrestling, so he could be in the next Marvel superhero movie. Who knows? But Elvis Stoiko is everywhere. Elvis, thank you for joining the program. Appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you, man. It was a pleasure. All right, thank you. All right, now Mario. Before we go to the break, I know we up against the break, but I'm just gonna. Go ahead and toss it out there and get you fired up already. This past weekend, Super Bowl rematch, Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks. You're really going to do this to me right before break? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to get you charged and fired up so when we come back, you ready to go. Real Talk segment is going to be live and usually doing it in the bottom of the segment, but why wait to then? I want to get Mario fired up. But, yeah, Mario, a lot of talk about overtime and Peyton Manning should have had his opportunity. I say not because you handle your business for 60 minutes and then you don't have to worry about playing in overtime. But we'll get into that right after the break. Also, we'll talk to someone in the New Jersey area, Councilman Joseph Iris, and get his comments about the state of the New York Jets and sports wagering. I want to definitely get into that. You listen to Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective here on Voice America Sports. Don't turn that dial because we're about to turn it up. Come back on this side of the board. internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists, discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune in to All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. That's right, Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. If you just join us, we were just uh, talking to Elvis Stoico. If the name sounds very familiar, it was Elvis Stoico, three-time world champion, two-time Olympic silver medalist. And Elvis is doing so many great things out there. Once again, if you want to follow someone great, very great at inspiration of speaking, he gave us a t- little bit, a uh, small preview of that, you can follow him once again at the real E Stoico. Uh, New Jersey, New York Jets, New York Giants. And I have to say, uh, the New York Giants are facing off against the Washington Redskins tonight, but that is not the biggest thing that's happening in the New York State. The captain himself, Bronx Bomber, Derek Jeter, is closing out his career with. The New York Yankees, I am wearing my Yankees hat right now. I am a little sad, and those who know me know that I am not much for crying. You know, say karate man bleed on the inside. But, uh, yeah, sad day for a lot of Yankee fans. Not the season that we anticipated uh, for the captain to go out and not for the Yankees. But, I mean, we get a chance to, those who are living in New York, get a chance to see him tonight with weather permitting, I don't know if they're going to delay that game and push it back, but I am joined by someone who definitely loves the New York State area, Joseph Eries. You can follow him at Joseph Eries, I-R-A-C-E, on Twitter. Councilman from Oceanport, New Jersey, thank you for joining the program and Secondary Perspective. How's it going, sir? 
Thank you for having me today, Nick. Uh, it's beautiful here inside in New York. It's not so great outside today. We're in the middle of a nor'easter right now, so the rain's whipping. We have 20-mile-an-hour winds, and hopefully they get that game in tonight. Well, you know, it, hopefully they, they, they do. I will try to definitely watch uh, that game flipping back and forth between the Giants and Washington. Uh, one thing I want to get into real quickly, uh, Governor Chris Christie administration announced that it would not prosecute sports bookmaking. Now, what does this mean for uh, Mammoth Park and horse racing? Well, it's it's interesting for to what's going on in New Jersey. This has been uh, something that's been out there in the state for a, a few months now, and and close to a year with different uh, members of the legislature passing or trying attempting to pass different bills in order to allow sports wagering in the state of New Jersey. Uh, horse racing in the area. Uh, has been beset by competition from the outside states. So what you have is surrounding us in New Jersey, we have New York, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Maryland, all have slot machines or casinos at their racetracks. So what they can do with that money is use it to increase the purses. So therefore, sometimes your better horses are going to run where there's more money. So, you know, New Jersey's been beset by that competition. So New Jersey also has in it Atlantic City, which is... um, the casino town, which uh, for years was the only casino in, in the area, had a monopoly for 25 years until gaming came to the surrounding states. So horse racing has been playing catch-up in the state of New Jersey with how to, how to increase their purses and how to increase their, their revenues in order to meet the outside competition. Hence, the governor and, and the legislator decided they didn't want casinos outside of Atlantic City. So, you know, we've come up or they've come up, the legislators come up with this idea for sports wagering, which is, uh, as you know, whether anybody wants to admit it, the leagues want to admit it or not, is, uh, could be a billion dollar business for the state. And um, Monmouth Park in Oceanport is the uh, one place that's set up to start taking these bets almost immediately, and they're ready to go as soon as they get the final, final okay from both the legislator and, and the third district court. This thing has gone through appeals, and you know it's been through different, um, different um, kinds of permutations of how it's going to be, and, and they're in the final stretch now and heading down to the finish line, so we're waiting to go, and hopefully uh, by October, middle of October, Monmouth Park will be the first one in the area to be able to take sports bets. Well, you know what, that's very interesting because uh, down in Atlanta, where I went to school at Georgia Tech, they were considering the fact of bringing casinos to a part of the city that was kind of run down. There's a lot of lot vacant lots that they want to build up. And I think the problem they're talking about, they say, well, you have one side that's looking at it from the economic and revenue standpoint as far as bringing in employment, uh, more revenue for the city, but then there's the other part that are saying, okay, well, when you bring in that amount of money, you, you, you introduce sort of like a criminal element because when you look at Las Vegas who have, you know, followed this blueprint to a T, yes, they have gambling, they have shows, it uh, brings in a lot of tourist dollars, but once again, we're talking about a lot of money, a criminal element, and drugs. H- how is the community of Oceanport, you know, planning on countering that if that were the case? Well, that, that is a great question because it's things that we've been weighing with uh, not only on our borough council, but as a municipality for years because as, as horse racing has progressed, and, and at one time, if you, if you take horse racing back, you know, pre-Atlantic City days, so you take horse racing back um, 30 years, let's say, in the state, you, you draw forty or 50,000 people to a horse, a horse event in, at Monmouth Park in the summertime. Um, 
to see where it was the only really the game, only game in town. It was the only place to to wage your money. There was no lottery. There were no casinos. So it was the only place to place a bet. Uh, you roll the clock up ahead to where we are. Maybe take it ten years ago when horse racing you know started to decline a little bit with the advent of casinos, the advent of lotteries, all different kinds of lottery games, uh, the proliferation of casinos outside of of Atlantic City. All of a sudden. You know, you, you look at Monmouth Park, and they're racing five, six, seven days a week, and they're only drawing, you know, maybe 8,000 people during the week, maybe 10,000 people on the weekend. And you fast forward to where we are now. The state had gotten into the business. The state had actually owned Monmouth Park. It was in private hands, went to the state uh, up until three years ago. The state, the state uh, wound its way out of the business and actually uh, leases or, or traded or however you want to call it. It's a lease with the Thoroughbred Horsemen Association in New Jersey to run racing. The state was losing approximately $12 million a year on horse racing. Now, if you go back to the old days, probably back when you were in the Meadowlands uh, playing for the Jets, the Meadowlands racetrack was the premier uh, institution around for harness racing, and they draw uh, incredible crowds. They, they funded, they'd make so much money over there at the Sports and Exposition Authority of the state, use the money to, to fund other projects around the state. Uh, unfortunately, when that money dried up, uh, state governments probably should not be in any kind of profit-making businesses because state governments or any kind of governments tend not to do a good job <laughs> running businesses. <laughs> um, private hands now, they're losing about $4 million a year, so down from 12 to $4 million. Atten- they're racing only now three days a week, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Uh, and attendance is, you know, hovers on a Friday, small, probably 5000 and on the weekends you get 10000 um, to 12,000 unless there's an event there such as a food truck wars or a beer garden or something, then you could, you could push 20, 25,000. And then Oceanport has the Haskell race, which is the outside the Triple Crown race is the biggest race for thoroughbreds um, in the area, in, in this, the country. And they draw about 40,000 for that day. So, you know, you're looking at an institution that's been losing money. So we've sat down as a council. We've, we work very closely with the people at Monmouth Park. I mean, things have come up as racing at night instead of during the day. What would that, how would that affect us? The casino coming in, how would that affect us if they did put a casino into Oceanport? Again, you, you've mentioned it. They're, they're predominantly in cities. We're a small town. Um, you know, how are they going to handle that? Is there a percentage of revenue somewhere that would come back to the town? Because obviously we need more services. We need to hire a few more police officers. Um, we need to protect our residents. We need to direct people in and out so they're not on side streets, that they're on major roads. So there's ways around that. We've gone so far as if you would have told us 10 years ago you wanted to put a casino or, or a sports wagering or lights at Monmouth Park, we would have told you, no way, we, we don't want it. We would have fought you tooth and nail. Now we look at it and say, okay, Monmouth Park pays the borough of Oceanport about 20% of our tax revenue a year. And that's a lot of money when you're, when you're dealing in finances in a small town. You take 20% of our tax revenue out, everybody gets a you know, $1,000 increase in their property taxes. You know, I think we'd have more people screaming and yelling. So if, if you can handle it right and sit down with the people and set it up the way it needs to be set up, um, it, it definitely will tax us a little bit. But I think it, it can work in the, in the favor of the town in increasing tax revenues and not you know, hindering the quality of life for our residents. And that's, what, that's the balance we're trying to do. Uh, if you just join us, we're joined by Councilman, Oceanport, New Jersey Councilman Joseph Irish. You can follow him at Joseph Irish on Twitter. Now, you are a Jets fan. I've seen some of your photos uh, of yourself and some of your, your daughters on your uh, Twitter feed, but yep. you know, 
when, when you look at the New York Jets that are finding themselves in a tough situation right now, I, I looked at the season coming into it that at the top of the heat, always the New England Patriots, Bill Belichick, and Tom Brady. I felt that the Jets had a chance bringing over Michael Vick, but I thought they missed their opportunity in free agency letting Dominique Rogers Camardi out of the picture, uh, even though, yes, he was going to come with a he- hefty price tag, but looking at the secondary now, being a longtime Jets fan, what do you see or what would you like to see this organization do moving forward and can, right at this particular point, I know it's early in the year, can they overtake New England Patriots yeah. as the top dog in That's, that division? Uh, you know, we struggle with this every year as a Jets fan, and, you know, I... I turn my kids into rabid Jet fans, and they're, uh, they're more <laughs> lunatics than I am with it. And we live and die with the Jets on a Sunday, so it's, it's an interesting family dichotomy. And with the Jets, as you know, you more often die than you live. So we joke that they take years off our lives. But you look at the team now as they come in, and I, and I agree with what you say. I, I think um, you, know, you look at Michael Vick, you look at you know, with the development of Geno Smith, um, they brought in Eric Decker on offense. They have, a, you know, as Rex calls, the three-headed monster at running back uh, with Chris Johnson and, and Chris Ivory and, and Bilal Powell. And then you go to the defense side of the ball, and you have st- a stud seven-man front. You know, your four down linemen, your three linebackers are, are, are there. And then, then you look into the secondary, and that's that's been a weakness. But, you know, prior to the injuries going into this season, that was a weakness. And and now you look at it, and, and you, you got Dean Milliner, who you really didn't know what you were going to have out of him anyway because he not didn't necessarily light it up last year. Right. Um, you, you let uh, Cromartie go, Antonio Cromartie go. Um, you had Dominique Rogers Cromartie in, you know, his free agency, and, and they let him walk to the Giants, um, and really didn't bring in anything. To, you know, now you have a, a converted safety, Antonio Allen, playing corner, who's who's done decent, and uh, and Walls from Notre Dame is playing in the other corner, who's also who's also playing decent. But I think it's more uh, on the front seven than it is on the back four. So, uh, you know, I don't know. We we talk about you know you want to you want to balance it like. Uh, like government talk. I mean, we talk about wants versus needs on a government level all the time. And I right. guess when you sit down and, and do a team, it's the same thing, wants versus needs. I guess when they sat down at the beginning here, he said, okay, you know. yeah, They did have a chance to bring in Revis again, and, and you know, for, for different reasons, I think that fell through. Um, I, I think the corners are, are a problem, and I think uh, as you go through the year more and more, you know, when you start moving people out of position, safeties to play corner, and guys who nor- not normally are asking Kyle Wilson, who's a nickel, to play corner sometimes, um, you know, you're kind of you're kind of asking for problems. And, and look at the quarterbacks they've played the last couple of weeks. I mean, you've played some of the top quarterbacks in the league. You got Stafford coming up. You got Brady coming up a couple of times. So you're you're not exactly getting getting any easier as you go down the pike here. So. You know, the pass rush continues to help. You know, you can put me back there and 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 <laughs> wouldn't kill us. But you know, you really, you're really asking for problems if you don't have anything in here at, at some point in time. And and you can see it in the lack of turnovers. I think that's more where you see it than the coverage because there's never any interceptions from our from our DBs at all. Um, you know, we'll, we'll get the occasional fumble recovery from a sack or something, but it's very rare where you see an interception and that. You know, they're on the field a lot, the defense, and, and they're making play after play after play, but it's just always that you can never get off the field, it seems like. So now let me ask you this. Obviously, you have an experienced veteran and Mike Vick on your bench, and you're hearing a lot of rumblings about how 
maybe Geno Smith should hand over the reins for a little bit. You know, it's only his second year. Um, maybe expectations are a little high for Geno right now, but, you know, a kid like him in this kind of offense, I feel like you got to give him time. But in a division where the Patriots are down, uh, you know, very rarely that that would happen. The Dolphins right. down, the Bills not playing great. Do you hand it over to Michael Vig, let Geno Smith watch for a little bit, get your team on track and do everything you can to make the playoffs, or do you think that Geno Smith gives them the best chance to win? Uh, there, there's a, another great question. I mean, that's that's what uh, I guess uh, John Itzik and Rex Ryan are going through right now. I mean, me as a fan, you know, I'm, I'm the first one to say let's let's make the change and go with Mike Vick. Uh, my daughters will probably kill me, especially my younger daughter Samantha is a, a huge Geno fan. But um, I, I think you got you're in a division like you said where where you know you're not eight and eight is not cutting it anymore. You can go ten and six this year and possibly win that division. And, you know, if you've seen the last two games like we have, um, you could have easily won the Packer game. You're up 21-3 in that game early. Could have easily won the Bear game. I mean, the Jets moved the ball up and down the field in that game. You know, Geno Smith, no Geno Smith. They were in the red zone six times and only came up with one touchdown. I mean, that's that, you know, to me, defines a quarterback, right? And what Parcells always used to say, you know, put the ball in the end zone. <laughs> Touchdowns are what defines a quarterback. Yeah. At some point, you know, the field goals and the, and the turnovers are going are to be – more brutal than they've been the last two weeks. And, and, you know, big turnovers, picks in the red zone, fumbles at the goal line. These are things you can't overcome. And and, and in the NFL, and you've been there, so you know, there's always a fine line between winning and losing. And and these good teams always seem to find a way to win it. And the bad teams always seem to find a way to lose it. And and right now the Jets are teetering on that line. And, you know, you bring in Vic, who's who's a winner, a proven quarterback, um, you know, let Geno see things on the sidelines. And, and Geno's played very, very well at times. And then he's also played very brutal at times. And, and I think in the NFL, and it's a quarterback-driven league, at this point, you can't live with the brutal anymore. You know, you, you know, the signs of brilliance, maybe next year, maybe later on this year. But, you know, I think, I think it's a chance to, for Mike Vick to come in and, and say, hey, here, I'm a veteran. I got, I got two veteran running backs behind me. I got, you know, I got some veteran receivers. Maybe he elevates it a little bit and, Although Vic turned the ball over a lot when he was with Philly, right? Well, I yeah, mean, that, Vic, Vic, yeah, Vic kind of <laughs> turned the ball over a lot everywhere he went, but it just brings that <laughs> no, added dynamic. I mean, I'm everybody, you either love right or you now. hate Michael Vic. There's no middle ground. Go ahead, Nick. Oh, uh, Joe, Joseph, before we get out of here, uh, we have about uh, 20 seconds. Now, I, I know everyone knows about Hurricane Sandy and how it affected uh, that, I guess, eastern seaboard area, more importantly, the Ocean Port community. Um, I was reading earlier that ESPN3 has now announced an agreement with Mammoth University to produce some of its uh, live athletic contests. How having this agreement take place, how would that help not just only the community of Ocean Port, but Mammoth University as well? Well, it's huge for Monmouth University. I mean, uh, I'm a big fan. Monmouth has 21 Division One programs. Um, their football team's Division One FCS. Um, having that kind of ability to, to, to produce with the kids and everything else and show the kids and how they play and, and what you can see and have the kids do their own TV reporting, it's huge for the, the, the students and the student-athletes that go to that school. And anything that shines a light on our area where people can see it, Monmouth University is a mile from the ocean. Um, you know, you can see what's going on in our area. Monmouth University also was a staging ground for one of the, uh, the largest Sandy aftermath where they relocated a lot of people who were un- uh, unable to have housing. They relocated them to the uh, multi-purpose athletic center, uh, excuse me, multi-purpose activity center, the MAC at Monmouth, where they stayed for 
a month or two until they can find homes for people. Um, anything that can shine a light on our area and our, the, the schools in our area, I think it's great. And, uh, yeah, we're still recovering. We still don't have a Burrow Hall. So it, it's, it's been a long haul for people. Well, Monmouth faces off against Lehigh this Saturday. Uh, I hope they win that game. But tonight, of course, you've got the football Giants facing off against the Redskins. And also, Derek G did the captain last ride. So tell me, I mean, which game are you going to be watching tonight? Well, I'm a Jets fan, so I'll, I'll start definitely <laughs> with the Jeter game to see how that goes, but I'll definitely switch over to football. I'm a football guy, true and true. You can't, you can't get football out of my blood, but I'm not a Giants fan, so I'll be rooting for the Redskins. <laughs> no. there, it, there it is. Councilman Oceanport, New Jersey. Councilman Joseph Iris on the Nick Ferguson Secondary Perspective Program. Anytime you want to come on, you want to talk politics, horse racing, the Triple Crown, or the New York Jets, feel free to come on the program. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you. Mario, of course, uh, we're going to uh, get into it. We're going to have to save it for a Real Talk segment, but Real Talk it is. I hope you're ready for the fire. I'm ready for the fire and brimstone. I hope you are ready. You're listening to Nick Ferguson. Secondary perspective, real talk on the other side of this break. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need to bitch his ass and then move oh, on. I just, and get I just ready think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to Secondary Perspective with Nick Ferguson. To get in the lineup for today's show, please call 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to nickferkshow at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. One hand in the air, if you don't really care. Two hands in the air, if you don't really care. 
that you're hearing that was from uh iron mike singletary former coach of the san francisco 49ers and menacing middle linebacker for the chicago bears earlier on the four letter network uh the mike and mike show and, and i have to say i i thought it was a great idea and i've talked about this on several different uh radio stations including my own as far as what would be the remedy for the situation that the league is finding itself in right now? And I've always felt, being a retired player and while I was a player, active player, that the commissioner needed to form a group and needed to have the commissioner on the group but not making the decisions to find and suspend players along by himself. It needed to have other retired players, former and respected head coaches, and even current players uh, on that panel as well. And like I said, that was Mike Singletary uh, from meeting with Roger Goodell, uh, Willie, Willie McGinnis, and a couple of other players, Troy Vincent. All these players met together with the commissioner to say, okay, well, what's the state of the NFL? How can we change it moving forward? I, I hope that they get things together with this meeting of the minds and come up not just with the uh, a firm policy, but a way to implement it throughout the league and have it to continue. So, Mario, I ask you, I mean, after hearing the statements of Mike Singletary and knowing what the last two and a half weeks have been for the league, do you think this is now starting to a point where it's going to quiet the stomach rumblings from the media and maybe some of the individuals that are affected by some of these issues that we're seeing in the league. Well, first off, Nick, I don't think you're ever going to silence or even stifle the media. I mean, even if you're able to, you know, put a hold on the four-letter network or Sports Illustrated, you still got to worry about every single other news outlet. I mean, TMZ, who is the company that actually broke with the video of Ray Rice, do you really think that they're worried about being protected? TMZ is one of those entities where people just don't really seem to question them because they don't have any sort of hidden agenda. The issue with all of this going on, Nick, the NFL 
in the NFLPA and the offices and the powers that be, it's like a hydra. When you cut off a head, two more are going to grow in its place, and Roger Goodell is the heart. So the only way to stop all of this from happening is to stab it in the heart. But it doesn't seem like, from what I'm hearing from uh, Michael Sing- Mike Singletary and the owners themselves, it doesn't seem as though they're going to move away from Roger Goodell, that he, he is the man they feel as though is, you know, can put the league back on the pedestal that it was on before these issues started to break. But Nick, how do we know that Mike Singletary, who has not been in the league for a very long time, doesn't have some sort of hidden agenda? How do you move up in that business? You have to kiss the correct you-know-what. And that's why the NFLPA has little to almost no power in the NFL, Nick. And I know that you know this. So how do we know that Singletary isn't just trying to say the right things so that he can fall in the good graces of Mr. Roger Goodell and bump him up? I know it sounds like one of these crazy conspiracy theories, but that's how it works. People tend to forget, Nick, that this NFL is a business. It's not about sports. It's not about football. It's not about the players. It's about the business of making money. And that's where he stands. All of these owners are fine with what Roger Goodell is doing because they're still getting their paycheck. And if their players aren't happy, then they will replace them with somebody else. You know, for, for me, when I look at this situation and we'll move on after this, you know, you have to wonder, you know, why wasn't this done sooner? Why, why now? Well, we know why now because everyone is talking about it and now – it's, you're, it's, you're on the front page, not just not because an expansion and, and making more money and more health benefits for, for players, but for the negative aspect of it. This is something I feel that should have taken place years ago. You bring the players in the room and you talk to them. What are, what are your needs? Because this is a players driven league, even though the owners feel as though, well, we make the league what it is. But the league is not what it is without the product and the players are the product. So the players have to realize that you have a stake in this too. If you don't like something that's taking place, say something about it. Go to the Players Association. You know, when I played, we play, we paid fees to the Players Association so they can represent us in certain situations. So they need to come in and do their job and their due diligence as well. But on other notes, let's talk about returns. James Harrison returns to the Pittsburgh Steelers, the place where nightmares are born. And, and, and I put this on Twitter early on in the week. I wonder what Johnny Manziel and some of the NFL quarterbacks are thinking. Now, I don't think James Harrison still has the same level of speed that he had in his early years, but I know this. When he gets there, there's going to be some pain. The pain train is coming, baby. Choo-choo. Real talk. (laughs) Real talk, man. This is just desperation from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Nick, there's a reason that Harrison wasn't playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. It's because that defense is very good and they didn't actually see any value in Harrison. So it might be one of these things where he's only successful with a certain team. I mean, we saw it out of Deion Branch. He was extremely good with the New England Patriots. Went to Seattle where, you know, 
We used to be wide receivers careers went to die, came back to New England and was relevant again. So I think he'll be relevant. But Nick, if they don't have all of these injuries, then we're not even talking about this. And as long as we got Roderick Dell on the mind, how happy do you think he is that Harrison's back in the league? You know, what? I, I saw something on Twitter. It was really funny. Uh, they, they showed someone showed a picture of, of James Harrison signing a contract. And it was a split photo with Roger Goodell. And it said, well, James Harrison just signed a contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers entering the league. And he was just fined $250,000 by the commissioner. <laughs> I, I, I thought that was uh, quite h- hilarious. But sticking with that, let's move to the Dallas Cowboys. I know how much you love them. But after new league policy on drugs was adopted, cornerback and suspended cornerback, cornerback Orlando Skandrick, from the Cowboys, returned to the starting lineup, and that forced LSU standout Maurice Claiborne to the bench. And I guess when he found out the news, he was he was too overcome with emotion, so he said, "You know what? I'm going to skip the team's walkthrough." Real talk. There's a lot of things that happen in the game of football, the game of sports, that sometimes players don't like, and we're forced to deal with them in our own particular way. Now. There's a lot of flack that Claiborne has received because of that. And yes, that's due in part because he wasn't playing that well. But for me, I thought it was a great move on his part. He could have jumped up. He could have acted a fool. But he decided, I'm going to leave the building and I'm going to clear my mind and come back in here in the right frame of mind. So real talk, I'm not mad at the young man. I think that was a veteran move. But why is veteran move? Nick, real talk. First off, if you're going to act like a veteran, you need to be a veteran. And I can't believe you, of all people, are condoning this kind of childish behavior. Please tell me that you never did anything like this. You're my hero, Nick. I look up to you. And if you start telling me that you were walking out on practice because they said you weren't the starter, then I will lose all respect for you. You know why Claiborne isn't the starter? Because he's not good enough to be a starter. So how about instead of throwing a little temper tantrum, you step your game up and act like a professional. Be better on the field, and you're going to start. It's real simple. Real talk, Moclo needs to grow up. Kerry Williams of the Philadelphia Eagles said earlier in the newspaper that Chip Kelly was driving them too hard. That's why he didn't have his legs in the fourth quarter. And that's why the team started to have those slow starts and but pick it up in the fourth quarter. Real talk, when something is happening internally, you handle it internally. You don't go to the media. That was an unwritten rule, but Kerry Williams later came back to apologize, and Kip Chip Kelly said he didn't have a problem with Kerry Williams. To me, keep it in-house, handle it in-house, and you deal with it in-house. Real talk. Real talk, yeah. This this was an absolute joke. I mean, your team starts 3-0. and They're one of the better teams in the NFC, one of the better teams in the NFL, And when you're making that argument, it doesn't hold any water, Nick, because even though they start slow, they finish strong. Hey, Kerry, why do you think you're finishing strong when the other team is tired and dying and you're on the up and up? It's because of that conditioning. But don't get me started on this this whole Philadelphia Eagles situation, Nick. Their fans were fighting, even though their team beat the Redskins. They were burning Deshaun Jackson's jersey, even though the team released him. He didn't want to leave. And on top of all of that, they released Deshaun Jackson, 
allegedly because he was a quote-unquote thug, yet there's a linebacker for the Eagles that put him on blast on Twitter because Deshaun Jackson was not, I reiterate, was not fighting in that scrum. The Eagles need to step their game up and figure all this out. And Kerry Williams, you're 30 years old, bro. You're in the prime of your career. You get paid to work out. What did Deion Sanders say, Nick? He gets paid to practice. The games are the fun part. So Kerry and everybody in Philadelphia, real talk, y'all need to step your game up. Not game, but practice. But in the celebration going wrong, Stephen Tulloch tore his ACL in a discount double-check dance. Real talk? Whoa, man. Whoa. Be careful out there. You know what happened, Nick? He didn't discount double-check himself, so he wrecked himself because it's bad for his health. This is just so obnoxious, man. If you're going to celebrate, learn how to celebrate. I mean, don't grammatica yourself and tear your ACL and be out for the rest of the year. Bro, now it's a detriment to his entire team. The Lions defense, which has looked like one of the most underrated defenses in the NFL in a very powerful offensive conference, you go and tear your ACL because of a stupid celebration. Maybe you don't deserve to be in the NFL, bro. Real talk. Real talk. Congratulations to Derek Jeter for a fine career that ends tonight in New York. The captain, I'm tipping my Yankee hat to you. And to the L.A. Dodgers who clinched the second division new title, Clayton Kershaw, first pitcher in 21 starts within 27 games in 37 years. I would like to see what this Dodger team does in the postseason. Thank you to Elvis Storico for joining the program. Thanks for Joseph Eries for joining the program. Thanks for the guys in Phoenix for keeping everything running smoothly. He's Mario. You can find him at Mile High Mario. I'm Nick Ferguson. You can find me at Nick Ferguson underscore 25. Tweet us, call us, do whatever, but have a great weekend and be safe out there. That's Nick Ferguson, Secondary Perspective. Thanks again for stopping by. Be sure to catch Nick Ferguson's Secondary Perspective again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. in the West on the Voice America Sports Channel. We'll share some more great stories next week. 